Plastic Planet. Plastic Planet, Part 2, Chapter 22. Moon Dragon. Mistakes are always forgivable if one has the courage to admit them. Bruce Lee. Moon's sullen teenage disposition was in part due to her age. Fifteen being a difficult age as a girl transitions into womanhood. In early childhood, Moon was angry, strong, and prone to confrontations, a condition managed over time by Eastern philosophy and discipline. Moon's parents guided her toward the Eastern arts at age eight, after numerous visits to the school over schoolyard fights. Moon was fascinated by the Eastern path in the onset, enthusiastically soaking up knowledge with a child's mind on the path to becoming a peaceful warrior, learning to still her mind to control her anger. Moon pursued Kung Fu, specifically Jeet Kune Do, a fighting style created by Bruce Lee, a 20th century Kung Fu master, earning her black belt by age 12, winning countless contests and matches against larger and stronger opponents. She rarely fought outside of competition or the training hall unless facing personal danger or to defend those unable to defend themselves, watching over her classmates, a shepherd protecting her flock. A peaceful warrior's aura radiated around her, drawing the powerless, seeking protection from cruel oppressors and the intimidators. The school bullies knew better than to intimidate their victims under Moon's watchful eye. Brad King was the last bully to challenge her. Brad was 11 years old, standing 5'5", weighing in at 130 pounds, towering over the other children. His father, the head football coach at Carroll High School, was grooming his son to be a Carroll Tiger football star with high hopes of Brad pursuing football into college and maybe even the NFL. Brad was in optimal shape from the regimen of training and diet created by his father to shape him to a top athlete. Brad, under pressure of high expectations, excelled in training while taking his frustrations over his training regimen out on his schoolmates. About three years ago, all the students gathered in the gym for a free day awarded them for high scores on standardized tests administered earlier in the year. Brad and another boy were throwing large balls of rolled up paper fortified with saliva at one another across the gym. A ping pong sized spitball hit Jane Withers, a shy gangly 12 year old with braces, on back of the head causing her to glare at Brad before shrinking into an insecure shell of embarrassment with her face turning bright red and on the verge of tears. Moon, who witnessed the incident, stood staring at Brad with a visual warning to stand down. Brad, having personal knowledge of Moon's abilities, threw his hands up in surrender, prompting Moon to turn her attention to Jane to comfort her. Meanwhile, the boys around Brad began dancing around like chickens, fashioning their arms into wings, flapping them all while clucking in an attempt to attack Brad's self-esteem and drive him to action. Brad rolled another ball with resentment building over the attacks on his character, visually targeting the back of Moon's head as he rolled. Taking aim, Brad let a baseball-sized ball saliva-fortified compact paper fly with skill and force owned by his training. Moon, sensing the projectile, jumped to her feet, simultaneously turning, scooping the ball in midair, sending it back to smack Brad square in the middle of the forehead, flattening on impact, leaving a sticky white wad. Moon took a defensive stab, watching her opponent carefully as his rise rolled up into his head, falling to the ground and dazed and confused, temporarily knocked out from the force of contact, prompting the entire gymnasium to roar with laughter. Brad, humiliated, swallowed his pride, soaking off to tend his brittle ego, forced to wear the painful mark of defeat imprinted in his forehead for the next three days. 
On the third day, Brad arrived at his locker to find a gift from Moon, a bandana embroidered with a dragon with a handwritten note attached. Brad, I'm sorry about your forehead. I let my anger control my actions, which was wrong. I hope you could forgive me. Kind regards, Moon. The small gift helped soothe the sting of humiliation, leaving Brad with a newfound respect for Moon. He wrapped the bandana around his head, displaying the dragon with pride in a silent show of allegiance to his new friend, Moon Lee. Chapter 23 The Meek Warrior Appear weak when you are strong, and strong when you are weak. Sun Tzu Moon was a defender of the truth and a champion of the righteous. A few years ago, the Lee family arrived at Mustang Island to find a murky brown wax-like substance in piles littering the beach starting at the North Fish Fest jetty and extending past Access Road 2. Game fish, ghost crabs, seagulls, starlings, and assorted sea creatures lay lifeless mixed in piles of gooey seaweed along three miles of Mustang Island beachfront. The Lees collected samples of the matter, placing it in seals and buckets, then sending it to analysis by Texas A&M's marine ecology team, revealing the samples were comprised of 75% paraffin wax, 25% petroleum byproducts, theorizing that a technical issue may have caused the tank to be flushed too close to shore in violation of safety measures implemented by OSHA. The incident was reported to Mustang Island State Park, Padre Island National Seashore and to Port of Corpus Christi, who each sent a team to investigate, but arrived on the scene to find the brunt of evidence washed away by the tide. The incident occurred during off-season with the beach sparsely population, populated and would have been washed out to sea forgotten if not for Moon's intervention. Moon, infuriated by death of sea life and destruction of habitat, started her own investigation. Using a solitary clue, a portion of a shipping document labeled Hall Shipping, Moon worked the case by accessing public information and appealing to social media, eventually leading her to identify S.S. Hoff as the fender. Moon teamed up with Case, Citizens Are Saving Earth, a nonprofit firm specializing in environmental law to navigate the legal system and file complaints against the S.S. Hoff with the Port of Corpus Christi. On the next arrival into the Port of Corpus Christi, the supertanker S.S. Hoff was met by Port Police who served a warrant uncovering evidence of 16 illegal dumping violations and fining Hoff shipping $2.5 million. Hoff paid the fine, assessing it as a reasonable business expense. Moon, held as a hero, was happy that Hoff shipping was fined, but believed the fines to be too lenient. Speaking out against Hoff, calling for all three supertankers in the Hoff fleet to be inspected and for Hoff to be barred from the Port of Corpus Christi should more violations be found. Moon carefully tracked the movements of each of the tankers in the wake of the violations, collecting evidence and storing it in a space on Texas A&M's Corpus Christi's main campus. A few weeks into the campaign, Moon was inventorying the evidence locker on a late night to prepare for a hearing with the port the following morning. Two black-clad mercenaries sent by Hoff entered the campus, slipping a black bag over Moon's head before whisking her away into the night. Fighting the urge to defend herself, Moon let her enemy believe she was weak, when in fact she was fearless in her pursuit against Hoff Shipping, who were polluting her beloved gulf. The threesome were en route to the hover chopper when Moon began her performance, breathing rapidly underneath the bag on her head, shouting hysterically, I can't breathe! Please! I can't! Please! I can't breathe! 
Guard number one jerked the bag off of her head, shouting roughly, What is it? Calm down! Please! No bag! I'm claustrophobic! The bag! It caused me to have a seizure or even die! Please, sir! I'm scared! Moon cried, bursting into tears that flowed down her cheeks. Guard one softened his tone, comforting Moon. Okay, we leave the bag off. Just calm down. Please, sir, I hate to ask, but could you loosen the ties on my wrist? They're cutting me. Moon brandished her bleeding wrist as proof. The guards loosened the binds, gently helping her from the hovercraft to the hover chopper, continuing to guide her onto the deck of the SS off, treating her carefully like delicate cargo. As soon as her feet landed on the deck, she swayed dramatically backwards, seemingly losing her balance. The guard, staying true to form, reached out an arm in support, showing genuine concern. Moon latched onto his arm, flipping clumsily backwards but landing on her feet while sending the guards falling face-first into the deck. Guard 2, assessing the scene as an accident, reached with both hands to Moon, offering assistance, causing Moon to launch herself into a clumsy bear hug, toppling the second guard before rolling off to her side clumsily while once again landing on her feet. Both guards stared at Moon in open-mouthed astonishment as she took three high-legged exaggerated steps before disappearing into thin air onto the tanker's deck, leaving the two gorillas scratching their heads in confusion. Unbeknownst to the two mercenaries, Moon spotted the duo ten minutes before the kidnapping occurred, contacting the police, the Port Authority, and the Coast Guard before grabbing a tracker to lead the police to their whereabouts, along with a package of 1,000 micro-trackers, which she distributed into every nook and cranny she could find before the cavalry arrived. Half shipping grossly underestimated Moon Lee, costing them over $150 million in fines and causing the shipping conglomerate to be permanently barred from operating in the Port of Corpus Christi. Chapter 24, Moon Visits the Spirit Tribe The supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. Sun Tzu Moon emerged from sleep to find the unwelcome committee and the family's safe living unit to evict the Lee family from the colony. Her first impulse was to spring into action to defend her home, but knew that would serve no purpose, instead internalizing her furry, disguising it with a sullen glare. Moon marched to her fate along with the other lottery winners, standing outside the colony walls displaced from their home. All of the displaced citizens stared at the sky as thick clouds moved in, followed by a crack of lightning, parting to reveal a tribe of Native American Indians dancing around a fire in the sky. She watched as her mother Star and her brother Pick joined the spirit tribe before the shaman returned, motioning to Moon. Following the shaman in her family's footsteps, Moon stepped into the teepee, amazed to find an endless coastal plain with rows of teepees lined up in wide circles around a blazing bonfire. Moon and the shaman joined a group of tribal warriors dancing around the fire while simultaneously communicating with one another in the ancient spirit language that every human is coded with at birth. The circle of dancing warriors widened, warping into thousands of warriors from every tribe dancing alongside of them. As they danced, Moon and the shaman were whisked away by a powerful wind blowing across the sands of time. Moon's memory of her spirit's journey returned. Her spirit occupied many vessels over the course of her spirit's life. Moon knew with certainty that her spirit was eternal, created by the universe and crafted by the fire. The shaman led Moon on a metaphysical journey to a peaceful warrior's universe, fortifying her body with skills from all the eastern fighting styles while feeding her spirit with insight from the meditative disciplines.
Moon's mission was to quietly watch over the mother's keepers, only intervening when a keeper's life or her own life was in jeopardy. Moon's spirit, symbolized by the sleeping dragon, rose up to defend the helpless and empower the oppressed throughout the course of time. She returned from the spirit tribe unnoticed, watching as her mother returned to save the colony, giving thanks to the creators of the universe for gifting her mother's star with the power to save the colonist. Moon, while certain there would be many struggles in the days ahead, felt optimistic about the future, confident that the hand of fate was guiding them and that the universe would give them the power they needed to be victorious.